I'm glad that I'm here, but I'm glad also that I know that I'm here. Oh, my memories are wonderful. It's amazing what you can find out there and, and how helpful people are in that, you know. Welcome to Elder Wisdom, Stories from the Green Bench. This is episode number 54 and our fifth season of this podcast. My name is Kathy Buckworth, and as always, I have the pleasure of sharing the bench with my co-host, Evelyn Brindle, who lives with her husband, David, at the village of Aaron Meadows in Mississauga just one of the Schlegel Village Retirement and Long-Term Care Residences. Evelyn and I are welcoming our special guest, Ron Posno. Ron will be living in the village of Glendale Crossing in London once the suites are built. Ron likes to plan ahead, and he's looking to the future by setting in motion his own destiny. Currently living well with dementia, he and his wife Sandy have a plan that they will share with us. Those plans include fighting to change legislation to allow people living with dementia to request MAID, or medical assistance in dying. Currently, those with advanced stages of dementia do not qualify. But before Evelyn and Ron join me for this very important discussion, I'd like to remind you what this podcast is all about. It's the brainchild of the Schlegel family. It's long been founder Ron Schlegel's belief that the greatest untapped resource in Canada, if not the world, is the collective wisdom of our elders. And today, we have some great wisdom, insight, and information to be shared from Ron Posno, as we delve into an intricate and intimate conversation. Good morning, Ron. Good morning. Good to meet you. It's so nice to have you with us on uh, the Stories from the Green Bench today. You have such a great story, Ron. I don't even know where to start. Your background is so wonderful. But let's start at the beginning, Ron. I understand that you were a special needs teacher, but that's not where you saw your career going when you started out. Yeah, no, I was... Uh... <laughs> in my early years, pre-teen and then certainly my teen years, I was determined to be an Air Force pilot in what we used to call the Royal Canadian Air Force. And I so determined, I gained a scholarship to go to College Militaire Royale de Saint-Jean, Quebec, and that started my military career. The extraordinary thing is that my I had met my wife, Sandy, we were age uh, 16. We were doing a school show. That, that was my last year in high school. And uh, I told her what I wanted to do and everything. So I went off to military college. And while I was there, I, I was in the top 10% of college. I was doing very well. I enjoyed that and appreciated it. I was going to do it. But here's where life gets involved. I determined that I wanted to marry Sandy. Not right away. It was far too soon. I was only age 17. Uh, but I couldn't see my marriage, as I conceived it, to be compatible with what I could see of marriages in the military. So I left the college and came out of college and went to Teachers College in London to begin the rest of my life. And that seemed to be a good decision because I think you've been married for 62 years. Is that right? That's right. That's right. And all of your life, you describe yourself as a planner. Why is it that planning is so important to you, Ron? Well, it provides me with a basis of security. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, n- number one, I, <laughs> I always want to know where I'm going, whether that's physically or mentally or whatever. But uh, having a plan gives me a sense of knowing where to go, where to start, where to go. And, and I have fully confident that I can change my plan anytime. But without a plan, you're just waiting for life to take you over. And I've never been content for that. I want, some, to do it. I want to do it for me. But sometimes life does take us over, doesn't it, Ron? And in, in 1970, um, tell us what happened. You were taking an airplane on a test flight. Yes, I was uh, still flying, obviously. And, uh, but it was all private flying, and I was well-known in our local area of uh, amateur pilots and professional, but uh, as amateur pilots. And because of that, I was often referred to or requested by people in the Experimental Aircraft Association. These are people, anybody could build an airplane, but you have to have it checked and inspected. So they'd go through all this stuff, and I was approached by uh, six staff members from one of our technical schools uh, to uh, test fly their experimental airplane, and so I did that. And uh, unfortunately, it took them six years to build this airplane. It took me six minutes to wreck it. Oh, no. Oh, no. So the plane hit a snow-covered ditch, is that right? And you yeah. you, you, you suffered a, a pretty severe injury. Yes. my uh, this, We didn't have to have uh, chest belts in those days. Even our seat belts were just over our lap. So my head crashed into the instrument panel with a big dent in the panel and but it was also a big dent in my skull. So I lost my left eye, it was crushed, and uh, I had severe brain damage. I was in a hospital uh, in a coma for 12 days, and I didn't know whether I have any brain functioning left when I came out of it. And you were Uh, diagnosed with MCI, or minor cognitive impairment, which is often a precursor to dementia. Exactly, but that didn't happen then. I was a okay. I was obsessed with MBD, mm. uh, which could be maximum or minimal brain damage, whatever way you want to approach it. But that brain injury led to my MCI diagnosis here in uh, 2017, because brain injury, as we know, is very often a precursor to uh, to uh, any of the dementias, and MCI is the is the entry door. Dementia. So, Ron, if you would update us on where you are with the diagnosis of dementia today. Well, I I'm, I'm believe I'm moving into what is generally termed as, as Alzheimer's. Um, you know, there's, right now we have 13 different kinds of dementia, but Alzheimer's is the most common one. And the, the signs of my life as how my life is decreasing or declining because of the, this the MCI stuff would suggest that I am well into Alzheimer's, approaching middle stage Alzheimer's, in fact. And so your advice to people who maybe are receiving the same sort of medical information would be to really learn as much as you can about it. Is that right? Yeah, completely. <laughs> You're talking about my life as a planner. If you don't know, if you don't know anything about it, then how can you plan for it? So, uh, I yeah, I've ever since my assessment, uh, there 
seven years ago, I've been a constant student of uh, dementia, particularly Alzheimer's. And that's likely what, I, what I've got. And, and the, the thing that relates to why I am going into a care facility is the understanding doesn't matter what form of dementia you have, whether you have Parkinson's or Lewy body or early onset or Alzheimer's, whatever it is, there is no recovery. There is no cure for it. And your brain functioning, neuro, is, is using fancy terms, and it's a neurodegenerative disease. And it doesn't get better, it just gets worse. So I, I could describe some of the, the worst parts of it, but uh, my point is that, uh, uh, yeah, I have it, and I want to go into a care facility where my wife as a caregiver uh, is trying her dentist to look after me. She always has. And uh, but there she has access to the kind of help that uh, we'll need as, uh, as my Alzheimer's progresses down downhill. It doesn't get better. It goes down. And that's part of the reason you chose the Schlegel Village um, that you're going to, isn't it? Because of their amazing uh, program there in, uh, in dementia care. Yes, there's that and all the other forms of care. And, mm -hmm. and, and important to me is the care that my care provider, that's my wife, mm -hmm. what she needs, the kind of support that she needs. Uh, it's readily available and planned as part of this Schlegel Village. Yeah, I agree with you there, Ron, because my husband is here at Erin Meadows along with me and he was uh, diagnosed a few years ago with uh, dementia and uh, another disease that I'm still learning about, MSA, multisystem atrophy. Yeah. And the, the one thing that uh, we found here at Erin Meadows is that the care and the programs have been very, very helpful uh, from the time he moved in uh, till now in the past uh, year, two years, uh, he's changed. He's improved considerably. He can read a newspaper and a book. And um, that was something he couldn't do when he first came here. So uh, I think you'll be very happy with what you'll find there with at Schlegel's uh, Glendale Crossing and that the staff and the programs that they have help you, but also provide an, a really great atmosphere for your wife as well so she can continue giving you the care you will need. Thanks, Evelyn. It's, it's very encouraging and certainly supportive of of what I have found out and what I anticipate. Certainly, if that care was not there for my wife, Sandy, uh, I would I would have little reason to go to a Schlegel village of myself. I could, I could, with my D claim, I could pop for I'm just offering this as an example, medical assistance and dimes. So and when I get to the point where I don't want to live anymore, I'll just go. But the difference here in this care facility it isn't just me, it's my care provider, my wife. It's, literally, it's literally a total care environment. 
Yes, it's very, very true. The programs help her as well. And the atmosphere, the sociability, the village's uh, outreach uh, are very important for her and you. And uh, I have found that to be very, very helpful myself. So uh, I think you'll, you'll enjoy having that safety factor for her and that outreach that the staff and everyone, all the programs that Schlegels provides uh, are so important to the two of you. Exactly. Exactly. But, but I just, I'm butting in a little bit, but uh, I have spent a great deal of my life professionally and personally connected to our university and faculty programs, uh, trying to help other adults to learn a little bit of life. In my case, it was about education and teaching. So I know something about that. So um, I was so impressed with the idea of the Schlegel faculty at the University of Waterloo. Here you've got people devoting themselves to studying aspects of dementia and how to provide care for it. And so I just, it's, you got everything backed up as far as I'm concerned. It sounds like Schlegel's philosophy completely aligns with yours, Ron, in terms of focusing on what you can do, not what you can't do. Oh, completely. Completely. It's, that, that's for, <laughs> for anybody at any time in their life, that should be their focus. But particularly now in this polite term, what we call elder age, um, when people are finding they can't do things, don't waste your time worrying about what you can't do. Focus on what you can do. There's so much more that you can do, and you can do it well. well in Evelyn's case, uh, her husband regained the ability to read a newspaper. Well, that may not sound like much, but that's a major accomplishment as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. And Ron, you also touched on it uh, in your last comments about maid or medical assistance in dying. And that's part of the other reason you looked to Schlegel Village was that they do allow for maid to be administered. And this is something that you have given a great deal of thought and also effort to um, exploring your options. Oh, exactly. I, I, I've been an advocate of, of uh, maid, providing information about maid since it became law, and well, I won't go into the details, but it was in 2016 that became law, and it's still an evolution. Mm-hmm. But uh, the people of our age, people with with disabilities and problems of another sort, uh, can explore that as a choice. It's only that. It's a choice. It's a personal choice. And if life just becomes unbearable in living, You've got that choice as a way out. But it doesn't allow right now um, for dementia to be considered as one of their criteria. Well, they do. We kind of got it slipped in when I say we. I'm very active with the Canadian Association of Made Assessors and Providers, CAMAP. This was a professional association that started out in British Columbia just at the beginning of the applications of the law concerning MAID. It's a consortium of, of the doctors and, and nurse providers who want to uh, provide assistance in this manner. So it's a tight 
very tight professional association. And of course, they continue to represent themselves and, they rep and from their informed position, can speak to our legislators about how to improve the law. And I, I'm sorry, I'm taking up a bit of time here, but right almost from the beginning, uh, there was a major failing that applied. They wanted people uh, who want made, you, you apply for it, and uh, the doctor reviews it, the assessors made, the assessors uh, review it all, and then you normally, in the old days, when I say old, I'm talking about eight years ago, uh, the doctor would provide assistance within, usually within, uh, within six months, sometimes much shorter than that, many times much shorter than that. Well, in case, uh, but one of the kicks was, and here it's critically important, was that in providing MAID, the, the law at that time, that not what came from the, from the Supreme Court, but the, by a bunch of advisors to the Parliament, the law was that the person receiving MAID had to be asked at the last minute, literally, just before the doctor inserts the needle in your arm, do you still want mate? Now, to answer that, you had to be cogent and able to do that. Well, as I've explained, people with dementia, any form of dementia, it's a road of serious and constant decline. And you might ask for made now and feel that you really want it, but by the time they get around to providing it, they ask you again, and you are no longer cogent, you're no longer fluent, you're no longer able to say, yes, I still want made, and then they won't provide it. Well, we changed that a little bit in uh, 2022. Uh, we changed that a little bit by allowing people uh, to, to bypass that second consent to made, and you could go on to a separate list. So we have what we call track, track one, which is the normal provision, and we have track two, people like me and other people with dementia who can get it so they don't have to provide their final, or the waiver of final consent. Now, we're still trying to improve it. I don't want to go more in detail, but you get the idea that the law is evolving, and it's evolving quite directly to better support the population of people with dementia. And I understand you're working with Senator Pamela Wallen to change this law. How did you connect with the senator? <laughs> well, I, of course, like any of us, I'm familiar with Senator Wallen and her mm -hmm. contributions uh, to in Canada over the years. So I was particularly uh, taken with uh, her view, uh, that fact that was supportive of mine, that we need what is now termed an advanced request for people with dementia, so that you could ask for it long before you're going to need it. And with the waiver of final consent, they can go ahead and provide it. So this issue of advanced consent uh, was shared with uh, 
Senator Pamela Wallum. And consequently, I've been on several of her podcasts about it. Uh, she represents me, uh, my opinions to other people's in, uh, in the Senate. So we're moving ahead, and it's moving ahead so far. It's got it this far through the Senate that will go to the Parliament for final approval. So that's how close we are. That's amazing, and, yeah. and a great support to you. Um, I understand also that you are a, besides being a great planner that we've talked about and the lovely support of your wife, you actually recommend that everyone have a day planner, not just people who might be um, suffering from dementia. Oh, completely. Um, well, I know we were talking about the um, advanced care planning, as he said, and it's important to try to lay out uh, programs and uh, situations with family and how you're going to handle some of these things in the future. Too many of us let it go until the last minute, or and, and then it's a little too late. Um, but I've found as well uh, with my husband uh, that things are changing. They change every single day. And I never really know sometimes what to expect. Uh, I'm, you know, really delighted that he's improved uh, over the initial situation we've gone through. And that uh, he's finding a lot of new things to have interest in. Now, Dave does have his own planner. Uh, he uses a notebook every day and writes down in it uh, things that occur to him uh, or that he's watching on TV, uh, sports, uh, the Raptors scores and who's playing and how many baskets they've made, uh, all in various little boxes on his page and keeps track of that and shares that with me every day. Uh, things that he, you know, found very interesting and uh, I've, I've encouraged that. He's, he gets a new pad every week and fills it up very quickly. But it's something that uh, he enjoys doing, and then we can look back. I don't always understand everything that's on that page, but he can translate it for me. And that is always an important thing to encourage in your partner or anyone with dementia, to have them do the things that they can do, not necessarily what you want them to do. I, I agree, Evelyn. It gives you, with, with his planning and a chance to review it with you and discuss what's happened or didn't happen, it... it <laughs> It gives you uh, the ability to better understand what he can do and better support the things yeah. that he might want to do. Every plan is open to suggestions anytime. And so there, there it is. It's just wonderful. I, I'll, I'll push it out. I haven't read it all in detail yet, but it came out this week in public media, uh, a study over the past 25 years conducted in in Europe, primarily, they had some Canadian components. I don't know the detail, what or how, but it was basically uh, promoting 
the idea of people with dementia and the need for socialization, joint activity, sharing and talking and discussing plans and the tremendous difference that made to their ability to better their lives. Uh, in Europe, it was quite a study and uh, I, I, I'll be thrilled when I finish reading it. Yeah, sounds interesting. Yeah. Uh, I think that the other thing that we all need to consider and remember is that uh, dementia isn't uniform. <laughs> Every, it, it affects every individual in a different way. Oh, completely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it, uh, it's important to realize that these are, you know, the individual aspects of it and how to deal with it and how to accept the certain things that you'll be confronting and that they are confronting. So, no, I just wanted to point out here that to me, a large part of the value of, of living a life in a Schlegel village is this opportunity to meet and socialize and just, whether it's over a cup of coffee or glass of beer or whatever, but you meet and develop friendships and you talk about things that we've always talked about in our life. Those are things that have meaning, whether it's, it's a baseball game last night or the new trade coming up or what's happening politically, but we're talking with people. And, and as a consequence of that, we've got a greater knowledge of things that may be happening and things we can understand. And I, I just, I just, the Schlegel Village provides the best opportunity for that. They do. I, I agree with you. The other aspect I'd like to have you suggest uh, on is because um, you've mentioned the need to get people to talk about death and dying. And uh, I've, I've seen some studies uh, that have said that, you know, 90% of people agree that that's something that's important, but only about a quarter of them absolutely do that. And I know it's a difficult topic, and nobody really wants to talk about dying or, or death other than what they may have seen on television or in a movie. Um, but have you any suggestions how best to approach that or to start the discussions with the families? Yeah, I've got a lot of ideas. And you're absolutely right. You put your finger in one of the major problems, what we have with what we put on that general topic of advanced care planning, you've got to talk about dying. Uh, everybody's going to die. And the, and the reality is you get to the 75 plus, that reality becomes a lot shorter than it did in the previous 75 years. So for me, I, I, I'd love getting involved in discussions and workshops and highlighting this need for what I call the talk. The talk. And the talk I'm talking about is the kind of thing that, to me, it's best developed over the dinner table on Sunday when the whole family's there to talk about things in their lives and so on. The family's got to understand about somebody's approach to living 
and how they can best handle it. Nobody, nobody should be surprised. You should plan that. Of, of all you've got in your life, it's those last few years that we have that can be best planned and developed because our options are, are, have diminished. Don't care what you call it. But you have to have a plan for what you want when you're dying. The problems that we see, and all I have to do is sit down and have a coffee with a group of lawyers and talk about the problems they have. A large part of their income is derived from all the troubles that have started because people did not have a plan for death or dying, and more importantly, did not have the talk. The talk is the discussion that you have with your family about death and dying and your expectation. I couldn't agree more, Ron. Um, we still have a Sunday dinner at my house. Sometimes I even write an agenda. So I think I'm a little bit of a planner like you. <laughs> and I'm very fortunate. My parents are in their mid-80s. And we have had many frank discussions about death and what's going to happen, et cetera. So you're absolutely right. It has to start somewhere. And a great place for people to start is also at your website. You have a website at posno.ca where you share information about dementia and MAID. Tell me how that started. Well, that started uh, way back in my exploration of, of MAID. I was invited to have a Sunday discussion with Michael, Michael Enright on CDC Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. he, he has since retired, but he He'd been with CBC for all his life. He was a no-one guy. He had a voice that was fantastic. He, he could interview anybody, even me, he could interview. Well, MAID was a, was a brand-new subject. And what fascinated him was that here I was talking as a person with dementia and the need to have MAID. So that became a Sunday morning topic. Well, for me, I was following that radio show. Yeah, I enjoyed it, obviously. Uh, I had some problems with other aspects, so I'll leave those alone right now. But all of a sudden, I was being bombarded with emails and telephone calls from people right across this country. Mm. I had no means to be able to address them all. How do you do that? Uh, so I thought... My best answer was to create a website, personal website, which would outline what I thought, what I explained, what I'm answering to people, some of the communications that came in to me, and then it grew. I've uh, copies of correspondence that I've sent to to the Minister of Justice and to the Health Minister. I've got copies of letters I've sent to all kinds of people across Canada and some of them from the United States. I love that you shared your stories with us, your wisdom and your philosophy, your life philosophy of what a person can do, not what they cannot do. Um, I want to thank you very much for spending uh, the time with us today. Well, thank you for the opportunity. All the best to you and your wife, Sandy, Ron. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I hope thank you have many more years to enjoy your life together. Thank you. Thank you, Ron. Thanks for joining us on The Green Bench today. On behalf of my co-host, Evelyn Brindle, I'd like to thank you for giving us the chance to bring you these stories of elder wisdom, which today featured Ron Posno with great assistance from Carol Matron. We'd love to have you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so. 
But we'd also love to hear your words of wisdom on social media. Please do using the hashtag Elder Wisdom, which will also help others to find us on this green bench. We do love a review and a rating on the podcast. You can easily find it by going to elderwisdom.ca and following the link. Take a look at the Elder Wisdom Pledge Against Ageism while you're there, and please think about signing it. Thanks again for joining us. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and along with Evelyn Brindle, we look forward to sharing some more Elder Wisdom with you on the next episode of Stories from the Green Bench. Elder Wisdom, Stories from the Green Bench, is brought to you by Schlegel Villages, a complete continuum of care offering independent living to long-term care, celebrating and honoring the wisdom of the elder. To learn more about us, please go to our website, schlegelvillages.com.